Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. This is episode 237 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Katie Seaver. She's an SLP licensed in Massachusetts, although she is currently a consultant with Project Euphonia at Google. Her expertise is in augmentative and alternative communication for adults with acquired complex communication impairments with a primary focus on people living with ALS. So it's such a cool conversation, you guys. I hope you really, really enjoy this and just shows really the, the depth of what our field can do. And she's an SLP working with Google and working on all these really cool high-tech projects that are definitely the future of where I'm sure a lot more SLPs will work. So um, hopefully you all enjoy this conversation with her. Um, she definitely said to please feel free to reach out to her. Um, yeah, she was wonderful. So thank you so much, Katie and, and Google for allowing her to come on. And this is just a great chat. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good afternoon, Katie. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, I am so excited to have you on today because this is definitely a different topic than what we usually talk about here. But nonetheless, I'm super excited to have you and it's going to be a great conversation. So you can tell the people a little bit about yourself and your background and your history and what you're up to today. Right. Um, so I'm a speech language pathologist. I've been practicing for more years. Than I like to admit, I guess it's uh, 15. <laughs> no. Yeah. 19 years now that I've been, I've had my C's. Um, and I have a very unique position consulting with Google on Project Euphonia um, for the past three years. And pre prior to that, my background is in AAC with folks that have acquired uh, diagnoses. So um, 
mostly adults with ALS, but also folks with um, living on trach and vent from a wide variety of obscure reasons. My community has been long-term care um, for the last 11 years. Um, prior to that, I worked in acute rehab and left basically because I wasn't getting in my hands in enough AAC. Back then, it wasn't necessarily part of the acute rehab or certainly not part of acute care. And I've been happy to see that has transitioned. So yeah, that's my my background. Of awesome. It. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about your role with Google right now and what you're doing with them? Right. So um, right now, there's two projects at Google. Uh, Project Euphonia is a data collection strategy because, you know, all of the the research and buzz about machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence for speech recognition has left out a lot of people. Um, and the as a speech pathologist, um, they've learned that their models didn't include anyone that had speech impairments. So Project Euphonia started to collect enough data samples of people with impaired speech in order to improve the speech recognition within Google. Interesting. Yeah. So over the last three years, they've created the largest database of people with impaired speech in order to build better machine learning models. We have a lot of samples, but we are short by a lot in terms of the amount that has gone in to the models that work for people with typical speech. Anyone that records, I listen to. So I perform a subjective evaluation. Um, with my years of experience, I have to mark about, I think it's 28 different characteristics of, you know, from gender to are they accented or as well as speech impaired? Because people do not have to give us any information other than their Gmail. Interesting. So I am the person that for the sake of research, if they find that these people are sort of outliers, or if they want to only look at certain subgroups of dysarthria or voice versus intelligibility issues, all of the metrics matter when they start to churn through the research. Who is an easier person to build a model for? Why are other models not so successful? They use all of the metrics from these speech evaluations. So daily, I perform those evaluations as they come in. We have really only done like a slight drop in the bucket with the impaired speech recordings that we have. Interesting. So is that things like different dysarthrias or different voice disorders, like sort of covering the gamut with all of those? Absolutely. So it's basically any um, speech impairment. So it's not looking for folks that have accents and struggle to use speech recognition. It is definitely speech impairment. So dysarthria, um, stuttering is uh, sort of outside of that. Voice disorders, uh, we have some folks um, working with us with spasmodic dysphonia, some folks with the TEPs from post-laryngectomy. And uh, yeah, it, we will take anything that is an impaired speech sample. Um, and the, the data collection with Euphonia, it asks for 300 recordings and you, people are, are provided with a $60 gift card after that. There's so much to talk about in this, but I mentioned another project called Project Relate, and it's the spinoff of this data collection. 
um, Google has learned that they can create personalized models with enough recordings from one person. So our pool isn't big enough to make this universally accessible yet for every person that has a speech impairment out of the box. You sort of can't pull it out of the box and use it. But we have learned that with individual recordings, we can make a personalized model. So Project Relate is a beta app that is doing that. Where, Interesting. Um, we're attempting to help people be better understood by Google speech recognition one at a time. Interesting. Would that be, is that something yeah. like, like, like an AAC device or sort of like the voice banking, like it would be able to use your voice to be able to communicate anything essentially? Well, yeah. I mean, so good question. So yes, it is, I would say an AAC tool, but no, in the sense it's not banking your voice. So for folks that are banking their voice, um, usually it means that they're going to have a voice change or a voice decline. And I would say really, Project Relate comes in after that, once your voice has already changed. And if you have speech that either isn't being understood by your Google Assistant, or you would like to dictate into Google Docs and it's making a lot of mistakes, or maybe strangers are having a hard time understanding you. So all of those sort of are the folks that we might want to try the beta app for Project Relate, um, where you record 500 phrases into this app. And within two days, they send back a model built for your speech samples. And we are looking to learn a lot about how people might use a personalized speech model. Interesting. So it's, it's, under, it's listening to your speech and giving you three options. You can use Google Assistant. So you can query with your voice to set a timer or ask about the weather or all the things we ask Google. You can... It has a listen mode, which just transcribes everything you're saying. So my clients that have ALS use it almost like a closed captioning under them while they just talk and talk and talk. There's a third feature that is brand new research in this that we haven't done any testing on. It is new in the app and it repeats phoneme by phoneme. So it, it's not necessarily doing speech recognition. It is taking the sound that you that someone makes and putting it into synthetic speech. So it might still make a mistake, but it is speaking it with a synthetic computerized voice, something I've not seen or experienced in the past. So it helps sometimes in settings like ordering at a coffee shop or questions at the, checking in at the doctor's office, you know, when people are sort of at a distance from you, you can use your natural speech and then it will repeat it and synthetic speech. Interesting. It's very early. It doesn't use your custom voice yet. So if you have voice banks and you have a custom voice, it's not there yet. I um, advocate for that for sure in its future. Yeah. Cool. Katie, how did you stumble upon all this? How, how did, how did this become, you know, part of your career path? Cause this is so fascinating and I love this so much. Yeah. I, um, I was working at the Leonard Florence center in Chelsea and Google had, begun working with the ALS uh, TDI. It's a, a business or a company looking to build better um, medications to help folks with ALS. And they had run into one of my clients that lived at the center where I worked, and he invited all of them to come to the center. And while they were there, they uh, were peppering me with questions, and I basically was 
bold enough and brave enough to ask if they wanted some of my time. So I love it. Then they said, wow, okay, we don't really hire speech therapists, but let's think about this project we're trying to take on. They already understood all of the things I explained to you. They understood that speech recognition is not working for people living with ALS. And actually the ice bucket challenge is what had given ALS TDI a little bit of funding to start collecting voice samples across the progression of the disease to determine if there was um, indications of change within their medical um, management. They had a lot of data and Google had learned a lot already. And then they didn't have like a boots on the ground sort of speech therapist to help them navigate the space. So I was, it was a lot of right place, right time and being brave enough to ask if they wanted help. I love it. I love it so much, Katie. All right. Yeah. So let's, let's dive in a little bit more here. First of all, I'm not the only speech pathologist working with this team. They have brought in Dr. Jordan Green as the researcher. And then, as I mentioned myself, I work with acquired AAC considerations. We, I really advocated that we needed someone that worked more with the developmental side of things. So my coworker, Marilyn, works um, with at the UCP of New York State and has, so we sort of round out internally at Google, the SLP experience. In the last maybe six months, I've heard from so many SLPs that are interested in transitioning to something called user experience research. And what I always tell them is our clinical skills of evaluating someone's needs for communication lend very well to being a user research, uh, user experience researcher. We have as SLPs an intuition about the nuances of communication that is unlike any other field. You know, a lot of people that are in user experience research head or come from psychology, come from a, a, a wide variety of human centered research. But I think that the, if the speech language pathologist can find their place within tech and within making the world and all of its information and all of the future that we're heading towards with technology more accessible. I think we are well suited to advocate for so many needs from the cognitive linguistic to the standard changes or existing challenges with just aging to the folks that need alternative communication. I feel like it is exactly the profession that fits really well with um, accessibility and technology right now. Yeah. Amazing. Well, hopefully Google starts to feel the same way and they just hire a crap ton of SLPs. So yeah, I love that. You know, they just started, I just learned that they, under the user experience research, brought in a consultant um, that's two OTs. And, you know, when we think about switch access, I think that's or alternative touch or any of those things. Um, I've been advocating for OTs as well. And then they've brought in some some speech pathologists. So not just with Project Euphonia. It's it's happened elsewhere, elsewhere in Google. And I think we're in a, a, a sweet spot for the future of accessibility right now in the world. I feel like it's a focus of a lot of of companies. So if anyone's interested in that, I think there's a lot of doors that are opening up yeah, cool. for our cl- for our clients yeah. too. Yeah. Let me, I just want to back you up a little bit. You, you mentioned something about there's like a 300 sentences or phrases that they speak in. Just the SLP in me is like curious of how they came up with these 300 specific 
phrases. I'm assuming there's, you know, phonemic things in there. There's different linguistic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, but it's actually not as much that anymore um, because machine learning has come so far. It actually doesn't need a sort of phonemic dense and diverse set. And what does matter, you know, still sometimes is the length of the phrases. So because what you put in is what you're going to get out. So um, it, it does need some diversity. You have to say a variety of things, but not necessarily phonemically diverse. Um, and you have to give them the understanding that we speak sometimes with one word or with seven words or even more than that. Um, so we do need that variety because then it, it knows to output those phrase lengths as well. And right now, you know, the history of these phrases has really evolved. And right now, all of the phrases have been curated by the speech therapy team at Google. So we had a very close eye on literacy challenges. So we tried to make sure that it was third grade or less in terms of word choice. In the past, there was some very complex and obscure language that was given at random out to participants. And that's so important that people that are participating in the research or in Project Relate read the phrases word for word. They need to say each one. And when we're setting up a very challenging phrase, it, it, it's it's nice that now it has been appropriately um, simplified. That's so cool. I, I love all this SLP work weaved in and out of everything. Cool. Yeah, it's been really nice. Um, you know, curating lists like this are sort of part of, um, right now we ha- are, are working on getting 10,000 different phrases to diversify the phrase set for folks. And we're at about 7,000. So we have plenty of work ahead of us to get the rest of those phrases ready. And then I meet with the team too, to for whether it's future projects that they're trying to establish prototypes for and and again, advocating for our clients. I also continue to have a relationship with a lot of users that are testing products at my center. None of these products that have come out of the Project Euphonia data set have evolved without a lot of testers. Yeah, yeah. So... That relationship has been really important. And then I, you know, my outreach to the SLP community. Mm-hmm. So I am available to do learnings at any center. We have a lot of our participants coming in because of relationships with companies at, like uh, Team Gleason and LSVT. Uh, so because of them, we have continued participants uh, coming in to test and provide their data to us. So certainly if anyone feels that they can have a, a partnership with us, I'm advocating and, and teaching and trying to build those relationships yeah. as well. What, what, what is the education piece look like? What are you educating these specific centers on? So a lot of the same things that we're having a conversation about, I have a slide presentation that I can give. We have recorded slide presentations that if people want to do it on their own time and uh, then just a question answer session about how these research efforts or um, including beta testing project relate or other projects that have come out of it um, could be useful for their clients. I also have a talk once a month right now that's um, currently it's the first Thursday of every month at noon Eastern time. So if people want to join that, I just open that up to the public. 
but it's usually, you know, it's a slide talk. We we spoke at ATIA. We also have been at ASHA. So it's a lot. If you saw us at, at either of those, it's similar. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Sort of talks to those. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love all this. This is so fascinating. Project Relate, I think, has a lot of power for our clients in the future. And I want to see it become a product. Um, and so, <laughs> I mean, I think that there isn't an AAC tool that exists, in my opinion, that someone, it's very rare for these tools to exist without the support of SLPs or um, sort of the community that is that is helping them. And this is something that is free and users can download it on their own and start to employ it on their own. But I do think that the support of SLPs in this process is really key. So helping not only sort of bring your clients to us, but, you know, reaching out to me and asking if we don't know who right now it's fitting well for and who it's not fitting well for. But the idea that people could use their natural speech and it could meet them where they are, meaning they don't necessarily have to use the speech therapy strategies that we are asking them to employ. They don't have to accommodate the app. The app should accommodate them. I think it's a really special space that Project Relate is fitting into, but we have so much to learn about it. And again, I think that the speech therapists are, if they can help provide us that little bit of anecdotal feedback of when it's working and when it's not working, we will we could make this a really useful tool. Yeah, that's so fascinating. So yeah, hopefully everybody listening, if anybody is interested in this, we'll stick your, is it okay? Stick your email in the show notes, Katie. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, can reach out absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to change in the future of this. We have a good engineering team and, and more engineers coming on board at Google. And there's a lot of folks listening about where to make this the most useful tool. It's not always the case with some of these other AAC apps, um, and hardware that we employ where they don't necessarily evolve quickly, but the pace of change right now is very fast that we can implement tools that could be useful for your client. So I'm not saying that just to, you know, to say that it's not valuable. I mean, this is incredibly valuable and rich and, and fast moving. Uh, it's an interesting after seeing some of the research that come, you know, and all of the work that comes out of IRBs working within a company that does research, it moves fast. Cool. So it's really exciting. Can you talk a little bit, a little bit about your like relationship, I guess, with the engineers? Cause I just think that would be such an interesting dynamic of like, this is what we're seeing clinically now go build this into the app. Yeah. Well, it, does, <laughs> it definitely doesn't come from me um, as much as I, you know, can pound my fists at certain aspects of um, button size, for example, and, you know, my own experience with, because it is it, the Project Relates beta app does require direct access. You have to touch at this point. We keep all of the feedback from the public and SLPs, and then it can take one person from the public saying exactly what I've been saying, and then they'll be like, yes. <laughs> Katie has backup. She's been telling us this, but we really believe this other SLP. And then we also go and do interviews with people who are using it and include those SLPs in those interviews if they're available. Um, and then we have videos of the circumstance that this is not working or 
where the collaborative conversation between the user, the SLP and the engineers can then say, all right, we have a point where we need to just change this. But then, you know, I've learned so much within Google. They have huge accessibility standards as well. So it's not just, you know, us from the outside, you know, they have internal accessibility standards, but this is a first that I've seen out of any of these companies really, you know, live transcribe is very similar to this. You know, it's, it was, um, it's a Google app that transcribes all speech that is heard if it's typical speech. And it's a tool that was built with the collaboration with Gallaudet University, um, for as a tool for folks that are hearing impaired to transcribe the hearing on your phone. So again, this has left out people that have impaired speech. It leaves out the people who are deaf. Yeah. So if you're oral and you're hard of hearing or deaf and your speech has an accent, deaf accent, you know, this is where Project Relate fits in. And so I sort of digressed there, but there is a lot of history within, they've had it work in this area, and now can we make it work with the diversity of speech impairment? You know, they've learned, the teams and the engineers have learned so much, like, it's not just an accent. You're not speaking English with an accent here. You're speaking English with a huge array of accent. (laughs) You know, impaired speech, if we think about it as accent almost, it's It's so diverse. And so that's why they've started making these custom models. And I think that's really unique as well. Google doesn't do one at a time. But hopefully, you know, we can show that this is useful. The other question, I understand that this has a huge educational and youth-based application. But right now, the data goes back up to Google. And because of that, you have to be over 18. So in time, maybe my wish would be that, you know, as cell phones become more powerful and can compute more on device, that on device learning can happen and the data won't have to go up to Google. But because right now it is all going up to these engineers and they are figuring out how to build custom model making machines and sending it back to you, it is not for youth at the moment. Interesting. Interesting. Ah, so many, so many tricky nuances, but totally understand. Yeah, totally understand. Can you talk a little bit about sort of like the length of time, you know, before, you know, I'm guessing you've been working on these projects for a few years, how long until it's really rolled out mainstream, or like you said, Project Relate is still in beta. How long do you guys anticipate that taking? Yeah, I wish that I knew more. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the history of products in Google and the little bit I've known, it it really varies. No one product that exists right now, if we think about Live Transcribe or Google Translate or some of these really amazing tools that use speech recognition, they all had different beta phases. And I did learn that what the beta phase means is that all of the work is ongoing research. So once it does go to product, it is like closed almost to research, not a hundred percent, but it's not necessarily a research tool anymore. So the fact that we are, we still have so many questions and so much evolution within this product. I hope it stays in research for a long time and they just make the ability for folks to test it. They can streamline that a little bit easier. That current process is signing up on 
the website, g.co slash project relate. And you have to have an Android, you know, because this is Google. So they build it on their Android platform. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So it is, I mean, people are like, what about iOS? So I get it that, you know, hopefully as this become, you know, Google Translate's now on iOS. So as these things become, you know, bigger products, it's not ruled out that it would be on iOS. So someone needs to be 18. They have to have an Android. Now, my clients aren't cell phone users anymore, but we've been buying low-end Android and they're on Wi-Fi. We don't even get them a, a LTE plan and they've been able to use it and then they sign into the Wi-Fi at their doctor's offices as well. So not all the features are locked out. You can use a lot of the f- features still when you're not on Wi-Fi, but I've been working with a number of other places that, you know, if this tool could be incredibly valuable, the Android mobile devices are relatively low cost in terms of the rest of the devices that are out there. Yeah. Interesting. That's a great tip. Yeah. So it's been, hopefully we can get more people to test and then tell us it needs to be fine-tuned. This was launched in November, like a week before ASHA. So it is very new. We have a hundred, interesting, but oh 150 gosh, yeah. people signed up. And so it's very small. And so as of, you know, today in May, we now can open it up to, they were just, they just gave us an engineering go ahead to open it up to a thousand people. Amazing. So there is, you know, if you live in US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, or India, English speaking in India, you can sign up to be a beta tester. Awesome. And this is for Project Relate. Yeah. Awesome. Globally, anyone can give to Project Euphonia. They need to be English speaking. It's okay if they have an accent as well as a speech impairment. This is so great, Katie. I think one thing that I just was sort of thinking of while you were talking there and, and sort of off topic, not off topic, but I just think so many SLPs these days are really just looking for more career fulfillment and realizing that it might be outside of direct patient care. It might not be working in a typical clinic or hospital that they you know, thought was their dream setting. And I think I'm speaking for you here, but I think you must have a lot of career fulfillment in this role because just think of the magnitude of people that you can help. And you're really just changing the game for accessibility for so many patients. And I, I'm, like I said, totally assuming and putting words in your mouth, but I just think, I think it must be such a really fulfilling project to be working on. Yeah, it's really exciting. I, mean, I feel, first of all, honored to be on the side of, of research and, and part of a company that is really advocating for accessibility in this way. You know, a couple of things came to mind when you said that. I mean, I think I'm in this place because I have years of experience behind me. You know, I I know I couldn't do the job that I'm doing without that. So I usually say to my students, like, I really didn't feel like I had my, a good, like, foundation to stand on until I was about six years into my career. And then I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> now I know how to walk into someone's room and, like, actually get started with something useful. And it's really exciting to wear another hat. I would have never predicted this in in my path. I did start getting very interested in research and not necessarily in the sense of going back for my PhD, but in implementing very useful programs within my center. So I wanted things to be based on on the research that exists or work with companies to improve their research based on the clients that I was working with. There's no reason to say, 
my client can't do that because it doesn't exist. Like there's someone out there trying to do it. Yeah. We just need to help them have the experience, share, you know, ask our clients if they will help share their experience. And there's so much cool stuff coming out of tech right now. Yeah. I love it. I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of negative things that people are saying, you know, machine learning is taking over the world and taking the human element out of so many things. But I think this is one of the more brilliant things about machine learning that this can actually help a lot more people with the human element, you know, continue to speak and continue to have their voice be heard. So I think this is, this is something really new and exciting that I think is the total opposite of the vibe that people get from machine learning. So I love it. Yeah, it's very true. And someone had said, you know, is this another example of machine learning replacing a speech therapist? And I was like, it's actually very much quite the opposite. The concept of communication is so nuanced and complex that no matter what tool you're using, the speaker and the listener are going to need some coaching. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I I think the list of AAC devices that I can I currently was employing with my clients with ALS listeners break the rules all the time, and I spend most of my time coaching listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the partner, the staff members, yeah. the family members, you know, the the healthcare providers. I'm coaching them on how to be a good listener. It's going to be the same with these with any tool that is coming out as a communication aid is speech therapists are going to need to be advocating and coaching in that process. Hopefully things like dictating, accessing smart homes uh, become increase the independence of clients with this tool. But I think as, as their interest, Google's interested in improving communication as a whole, you know, we're going to have to continue to shape what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. I love what you said so much. I think, you know, our our field is evolving just like everything else is. And I don't think it's ever going to, this is not going to replace us by any means. If anything, it's going to, we're going to be needed even more to help roll these things out and be that human element to connect the person to the machine. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of our culture is um, based on some manners that really break when we have someone using AAC, you know, not asking for clarification when you don't understand a message. I think people are, are, are trying to be polite. Yeah. And it's our, you know, that's one example of where SLPs can step in and say, no, no, they don't want your blind stare. They want you to tell them that you didn't understand them. You know, we set those strange social customs aside and engage with somebody. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Love this so much, Katie. It's a, it's a fun space. I mean, it's a really exciting time to be a speech therapist. Um, I think there's a lot of cool new research coming out in all areas of our field. Yeah. Is there? Do you think there's a lot of research from SLPs as far as machine learning? Or do you think the research is coming from Google and sort of these machine learning companies? In machine learning, you know, it's folks at the level of Dr. Jordan Green that are part of those um, experiments. So yes, there are SLPs involved in machine learning. But I, I mean, I think that the I've learned, I've worn so many hats as a speech therapist, whether I'm doing dysphagia therapy or aphasia therapy, and there's so much that is evolving right now and making us better therapists within research. And it's changing so fast. So I think it's just a really good time to be a speech therapist. Yeah, cool. I love it so much. So interestingly, within tech, there has been categories of of disability or now called accessibility needs. For example, low vision is an accessibility need and they're building screen reader accessible 
websites and platforms. And there's a lot within the ADA and accessibility and tech that covers low vision and a number of other areas of accessibility. Speech has not been considered one of those groups. So, you know, the research is showing that the number of people that are that are going to have devices that use their voice is, is doubling. I think the research came out in 2020, but then it was going to double the amount of people that have voice recognition devices in their households by 2024. So speech is a very key accessibility category. And we, within ASHA or within our field or within our relationships with tech, I think really need to make this clear. And one of the ways that right now I know inside Google, they're looking for people that have speech impairments to test everything. They have a large group of people in some of those other categories, and they don't have necessarily a large group of people with speech impairments. So you can just Google that, you know, become a trusted tester for central accessibility at Google. If you're someone that has a speech impairment, um, if you're somebody that is over 65, you know, if you're anybody that in our caseload, that's at the adult caseload, I think they need people that we work with showing them how to make things more accessible, whether it's speech or cognitive linguistic deficits or gosh, we haven't scratched aphasia yet. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure under the mission is like for Google is to create, allow all of the world's information to become universally accessible. You know, it wasn't necessarily an accessibility goal, but along the way, our clients have a lot of barriers. So I just would love more help. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. This is so cool, Katie. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts? No, that's it. Yeah. It's exciting. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for sharing everything about the project and sharing your passion. And I, I just, I love hearing just interesting careers where SLPs really truly fit and belong and our, you know, so, you know, our, our knowledge is really needed and, And I think that's so great. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Of course. I think all the time in our career, people, you know, we walk into our clients' rooms and they say, I don't need speech therapy. And most of the world doesn't know what we do. So it's, you know, getting into a a foot in the door and some of the big tech right now for for them to understand what we do has been really interesting. And they've just been like, oh, I thought you worked with the R's with kids. And I was like, sure, but listen to all the other things that we do and you know we're an incredible resource and yeah thank you very much for letting me share awesome thank you so much to download the show notes from this episode please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com there you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode if you like what you hear then please subscribe leave a review on itunes and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Special credit to Danny B. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.